0: So, Tom Sohn and Kurt Elfo were two of the three finalists for the NYC, F- or the Red Bulls, uh, sporting director job.
1: So does that mean we're going to replace you about 15 minutes through this podcast, Adam?
0: <laughs> uh, no, because he didn't get the job, thankfully.
1: But maybe he got the job of filibuster podcast technical director.
0: Um, I don't believe such a position exists, and if well, it does, I'm not aware that it's been given to Tommy Sohn.
1: Well, we'll see when you're subbed out 15 minutes later.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it won't be at the 15th minute. It'll be the 35th minute.
1: Right, but this is only a 60-minute podcast.
0: That's true. So it'll be the 25th minute. Okay. Okay. as long We'll as see we're... what
1: happens. <laughs> There'll be a countdown.
0: Well, well, we'll find out. In the meantime, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, returning from whatever disease last week. You know, it very well might have been. It might have been goat flu. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Joined, as always, by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. That's where you can find us writing about DC United, Major League Soccer, the U.S. national teams, and, and more. And I'm back this week. Thank you, Ryan Kiefer also from the site, for filling in last week. Even though it was a complete cluster of an episode, I appreciate um, (laughs) keeping the lights on for a week when when I couldn't be there. Uh, Tonight we have a very simple show. Um, We're not going to go through a million topics like last week. We're not going to talk about... Uh, cake or Death, or River or Life, or whatever the hell Ben wants to call it. Go, or Fox. Let's I refuse to, Fox. to acknowledge that. It is not Goat or Fox. No, it is not. <laughs> uh, we, we're not going to do any of that tonight. We have one single topic tonight, um, and it is the stadium at Buzzard Point, which is done. The bill has passed the the DC council and it's it's gonna happen, which brings us to a very special what are you drinking tonight. Ben, what are you drinking?
1: So, uh I went out to 7 Eleven and got their finest
0: champagne. Yeah? <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? That's that's enough Bromley.
1: No <laughs> no his is worse than mine, so <laughs> no, yeah, Ben 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 actually uh Ben and I
2: talked about this beforehand. He he is drinking Corbel And I was talking about how I went to the store uh, looking for whatever the cheapest champagne was that was cold, because I bought this like an hour ago. And I saw the Corbel, and then I saw to the left of it where I expected visually to find Andre, the standard for cheap champagne. Uh, There was no Andre. There's not even a space for it. Instead, they had Cook's, which I never heard of.
1: Oh, no. Uh, I was
2: unfamiliar with Cook's, so I was like, well, it's got to be equal to Andre because it's where the Andre belongs. So I bought Cook's. Cook's, it turns out, is worse than Andre and worse than Corvel. Um Ben's champagne probably is a dollar more than mine, and and it's a it's a big dollar, it turns out, in terms of taste. And this is why you're drinking directly out of the bottle, as I can see on
0: camera
1: here.
2: I don't have appropriate uh, glassware for champagne. I feel like a bottle is the appropriate glassware. You don't have a flute glassware. like this? Well, no. we're call-
1: from now on, we're calling him Jason Bruce Arena Anderson.
0: There you go. I can live with that. Jason the Bruce.
2: I'm wearing a Maryland hoodie though, so, so Bruce Arena's soul is going to be anguished slightly. <laughs> he'll just take another that? pull from the bottle. Yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs>
0: well, you know what? I too am drinking champagne tonight. Uh, I I it, I don't know what brand. It's, it's you don't know what it, brand? I don't. You spend had? the
1: five minutes to look at the bottle.
0: Five right, minutes. It takes five minutes to look at the bottle. That's <laughs> No, I did not, Ben. I did not take the five minutes to look at the bottle. I opened it and I poured a glass and I came upstairs. Why do you have champagne
2: just on hand? Do you guys celebrate a lot of things? You've seen my bar. My bar's pretty well stocked. Yeah, but, I mean, you've got liquor. I also have wine. Okay, I, I didn't even
0: pay attention to the wine. There's like a whole, everything below the top shelf is wine. <laughs>
2: All right. <laughs> There's a huge oh, I, bulk I storage for wine. So you just blindly grabbed a bottle in hopes it was champagne, or was there like a sh- champagne area?
0: I mean, there. I grabbed a champagne bottle that was there.
2: Okay. They I are. It. Yeah. It, they. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you could keep this show on the rails? I really did. <laughs> <laughs> we're already lost, and we're like five minutes in. All right, let's
0: let's <laughs> let's find ourselves. On on Buzzard Point now, Uh, DC has a stadium deal in place uh, with the city, with the District of Columbia, and that deal is going to involve DC buying land on Buzzard Point. The deals are all done except for one with Ackridge, who of course famously was going to receive the Reeves Center in exchange for their parcel on Buzzard Point and a fat wad of cash. Uh, now they are not getting the reef Center and instead are going to receive a somewhat smaller uh, wad of cash for their land on Buzzer Point. The size of that wad is yet to be determined. It'll be hammered out in negotiations between the incoming Bowser administration and Ackridge, or else it will go to court in eminent domain proceedings. Uh, either way, uh, this is basically still a done deal. Um, David Rusk, who's written a lot for the site on the stadium and and with along with Doug Barnes and and Todd. Oh I'm completely blanking on Todd's last name. i I apologize. Lindbergh. Uh, Lindbergh, Lindberg, Todd Lindbergh. They uh, have written a lot and, and David pointed out that in DC the way eminent domain works is the city assumes title as of the land as soon as they file eminent domain proceedings. So the only thing unless Ackridge tries to challenge the constitutionality of the taking, which will clearly fail in like wait, in light of the legal precedent that's there. The Supreme Court has basically said anything the city says is for the public good is for the public good when it comes to eminent domain, so Ackridge will not be able to fight a stadium uh, that the city's going to own the land under. That's not going to fly, so the only thing that remains is the amount of compensation they will receive, so... It very well could be that even if eminent domain is the way this goes, we are not going to see any delays uh, for the land. So that's a good thing. We are on track to, to move forward, and that's very exciting. The actual bill passed unanimously. All the bills regarding the stadium passed unanimously. Um, ben, was, was that a surprise to you to see no dissent? in the council over this, even outgoing members who have been skeptical of stadiums in the past?
1: It was a little surprising to me, um, especially given David Catania's uh, speech during the council meeting, and then he ended it with, but I'm supporting this bill anyway, so that was very surprising. Uh, Other than him, after the first reading, I wasn't... that surprised to see everybody else vote for it but i still thought that somebody especially Catania, was eventually going to vote against it but that ended up not happening so it is somewhat surprising but i'll take it that it ended up being a unanimous vote unlike the national stadium which was a very close call yeah uh
0: yeah, and this obviously, uh, I think, makes sense as a less contentious deal than Nats Park, um, if only because the city was on the hook for more than four times, probably close to five times more, in that deal than they are in this one, and and they didn't have a partner who was going to be investing at least as much money into it. Think about Nats Park if uh, the Lerner family had invested seven hundred million dollars into. The stadium, instead of just let on top of the city, seven hundred million dollars. That would be something beyond the dreams, beyond the fever dreams of Dan Snyder or Jerry Jones. That would be an incredible ballpark.
2: The the, gla- the grass would actually be a turf made of gold. Yeah, it'd be a hybrid because there'd gold. be real grass in there too. Right, gold gold turf and also grass, maybe like a new strain of grass. They would have hired some scientists to synthesize. A new, a genetically different strain of grass than had existed before.
0: Actually, so I I went to undergrad at Purdue, and they have a, a big agricultural school, and they invented the grass that's used in a lot of NFL stadiums. It's called uh, PAT Performance Athletic Turf, and they it was originally um, a, a type of Bermuda grass, I think. And then one season, it was a very hot summer and a very wet fall. And so there were divots everywhere uh, on the field that year. And so they completely redesigned and used a type of Kentucky bluegrass instead. And this was all very boring. But Purdue, invents, Purdue actually does invent new types of playing grass. Um, Maybe which these, I thought, would
2: be, these would be the guys that they would bring in then.
0: Yeah, so I would be all for that, obviously. It would be, mean a lot of money for my alma mater.
2: Because <laughs> they would, I mean, in that, with that kind of money, they would just overpay, you would assume.
0: Yeah, I mean, they would have to, to spend that much money.
2: Hey, guys, we want to we want to create a new strain of grass. Uh, we're going to throw a lot of money your way. Essentially a blank check. Please make grass and call us when you're done.
0: Nationals turf is what it would be right. called, ultimately. Um, again, we've gone off, off the rails. Uh, Jason, have you been down to Buzzard Point with a shovel yet? I know that's something that you have been talking about doing for a long time.
2: Yeah, it was discussed immediately after um, uh, on Freedom Plaza with the the stragglers that didn't just walk off as soon as it was done. Um, In the end, though, the team was uh, having a happy hour, or not a happy hour, but a thing, sort of like a happy hour, um, uh, just up the road. So instead instead of digging, we went to go drink instead, is what actually happened.
0: That seems like a reasonable decision.
2: There were only four of us, and uh, I don't think anyone had a shovel with them because we'd all taken the Metro, so it would have been a whole thing to, to get started right away. You know,
0: I feel like that's really short-sighted. You should have brought the shovel on the Metro, because that's not uh, on the prohibited items list.
2: There was apparently a shovel in the council chambers, but no one could... Uh, once it was brought out and people saw pictures of it, it was never spotted again. Oh, that's too bad. So, well, like, and
1: Weren't those snow shovels that Mary Che brought for some reason?
2: Yeah, no one really knew exactly where they came from. There were a couple different things being thrown around, but uh, in, in the end, uh, I, I guess maybe they're like the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, you, you don't know that that was actually a shovel. Maybe it, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. <laughs> so,
0: uh, Jason, I know you've been around for a long time. Ben, you've been around for a while, too. I don't know how much you remember about past stadium deals that fell through. Um, I I know Poplar Point, I remember I was at an internship the summer after my first year of law school thinking Poplar Point was going forward even with this new mayor, Adrian Fenty, coming in replacing Anthony Williams. And then on the news one day, checking out the news uh, early in the morning at my internship, I see that, that he's pulled the plug and will no longer be moving forward. Then, of course, PG County happened when the team had been basically courted by the county executive, I think, uh, of PG County, and they had a whole press conference before a vote had ever happened saying, we're going to make this happen. DC United's going to move in at the Morgan Boulevard metro station and it's going to be really something. The first step is a feasibility study that the state is going to pay for. The county doesn't even have to spend a dime on it, and the County council, the county legislature voted it down. They right. voted down yeah. the feasibility study. Not not the stadium itself. They right. didn't even get that far. They voted down Just a feasibility study because there was a backlash against it. And and so when DC United fans were when they say, I'll believe it when I'm sitting in it, there's there's a long history, there's there's a reason for that. And this is a stadium quest unlike anything in the history of MLS. And and it's finally, you know, there's finally a light at the end of the tunnel. Ben, were there any points in the last, you know, 18 months or however long it's been since that stadium announcement at Buzzard Point with Vince Gray and and the owners of Ackridge and Mark Ein and and the team and so many people down there, Marion Barry, not knowing what was going on, he, he thought that the Reef Center was being torn down for no reason and then he found out it was moving to Ward 8, and he was on board. Um, since that time, Ben, did you ever feel like this was off the rails? Did you think this was something that that was going to run into a wall the way stadium deals in the past had?
1: I mean, th- there were really two points where I was most concerned, uh, the first being in late 2009, early 2010, right after the PG County implosion happened. Uh, that was a really dour time to be a DC United fan, combined with the 2010 season. And then in 2013, uh, there was the high of the uh, announcement of Buzzard Point. The uh, The term sheet was signed in that empty lot with Vince Gray and Jason Levian and all the people were there. But then by the end of that year, the backlash had started. Things were looking dire again, and the 2013 season had happened. So there seems to be something aligned with DC United stadium badness and awful seasons being combined together. So but luckily, not, this was it's a not good a cause season. and effect
0: thing, which is interesting. You don't know that. Well, considering the badness often happened before the team sucked. And then the team sucked. Well, if, yeah. there, if there's a if there's an arrow of causation, it might point the other way.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I, I will say, despite how long this took and how, despite all the ups and downs, this stadium at Buzzard Point is so much. It's a such better proposition for the team than PG County. I think it's worth the wait and it's worth the trials and tribulations that we have suffered as fans and the team has suffered in losing money because... And it's worth the team
0: investing the money.
1: Exactly, and, so, and it's worth the team man, investing man. the money because building a stadium out in PG County, while not as bad as, say, Frisco, Texas, or Bridgewater, Illinois, it would be pretty bad. It's It, it would not be the kind of urban stadium that teams strive for. And I think DC United, has with this new stadium, has a real... Special. They, they have a real special situation. I don't think there are many other teams in the league that have a stadium in the urban core like DC United will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Houston Dynamo Stadium is downtown-ish, but it's not downtown in the same way that DC United Stadium is going to be. So I think they're going to have a real chance to have something special with this stadium and it's good that they didn't i mean obviously the pg county executives had the final say but it's good i think overall it's good that
0: that ended up being that, a blessing that that,
1: that 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 fell through and and yeah it didn't end up happening
0: i will say that as as central dc as buzzard point is it we we say it's a downtown stadium and it is um for those who don't know the geography of of DC really well. Buzzard Point is is less than a mile south of the capital. Um, it's not super close to like the central business district, which is centered more around the White House. But it is less than a mile and a half from there. Probably it's it's really close to a lot of things, um, including the mall. Including it's it's actually within a stone's throw of RFK. There's you know a highway you have to cross and some. Bro, the, the road that goes directly there, Potomac Avenue, spl- split into like six different parts that don't actually connect to each other, but it's actually very close to lots of things. It's walkable from the metro. It's it, it's a great location, um, even if it's not right on top of a metro stop. So I, I agree with everything Ben said. I think this end, uh, ended up being a blessing that we didn't get pushed out to PG County. Um,
1: or Northern Virginia, or anything like that.
0: Yeah, and I Montgomery County. Yeah, I, well, Montgomery County, I don't think was ever on the table. Um, if if this had fallen through, I think the best case scenario was going to be Loudoun County, uh,
2: which which would have been much further than for the people that are out to the area. That would have been further than any other site we've talked about yet. Yeah, it's way out there. I mean, the,
1: that w- that would have been probably even worse than like. Frisco, Texas, yes. or Baltimore, oh, yeah. Illinois. Yeah, it would have or,
0: they, I, I would not have been comfortable with them using the name D.C. United if they were out in Loudoun County. Because, Loudoun United? Yeah, Nor- Nova United, something. Um, I mean, the, that that the part of Northern Virginia is not close to the most of the population I mean, of the region. Yeah, that,
1: that would be as far for Maryland people as Baltimore would be for Northern right. Virginia people.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So it would have been a, a similar... Um, I guess there there are more more of the fan base comes from Northern Virginia than comes from Maryland, but it still would have been geographically a similar move as moving to Baltimore.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Um and, and it would have been a lot harder because there are no trains that go to Loudoun County. Right. Uh well I guess the Silver there, Line, but they wouldn't have been built on the Silver Line.
1: There, better, there are barely any roads that go to Loudoun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Loudoun County, for those of you who don't know, is on the other side of Dulles Airport, which is the least convenient airport in the world. Um, not not just in the D.C. area. I, no. We would rather drive to Detroit and use that airport, a lot of us, than than go to Dulles. That's how inconvenient
2: Dulles it is. Dulles is basically on Mars. Um, for for yeah. everyone that doesn't live within, like, ten minutes of it, it immediately, it, there's, like, a gap in there. Like, you either live out by Dulles or you live... An hour and a half to two hours from it, and there's no there's no in between.
0: There's no middle ground. Time and yeah.
2: time and space don't work the same way in that that area.
0: So there there are two names I want to talk about um, with regards to the stadium, and and the first and and more important and more immediate is Muriel Bowser. She's the mayor elect of Washington D.C. and uh, currently on the D.C. Council. In uh, the seat that Adrienne Fenty used to hold, in fact, um, she, after the general election, basically said, you know what, this, which was almost a foregone conclusion. She ran against her colleague on the council, David Catania, who challenged her as an independent. But after she defeated Catania, she said, not only she'd been saying that she wasn't comfortable with the Reef Center being a part of the deal. She wasn't comfortable with that aspect of it. And a lot of us thought that that was a kind of a way for her to scuttle the deal without seeming like she was going to scuttle the deal. Um, I know that a lot of people in the fan base thought that. And to her credit, it was not. She removed the Reef Center and got the rest of the council to go along with her uh, plan, which was to get the current mayor, Vince Gray, to ask for a new budget and issue new debt and move some money around in the capital budget and and make this happen without that land swap. And some of it was fortuitous timing because the mayor uh, and his Department of Transportation completely botched their their rollout of the first part of the streetcar system, and so the council defunded future parts until the, the... DDOT can can show that they know what the hell they're doing with the streetcar. And so we were fortuitous that there was incompetence in some other aspects of the city government, and the council reined it in, and that freed up some money under the city's debt cap, which meant that they could issue new debt and not trade the Reef Center. It wasn't a requirement anymore. But Bowser got it to work. She... You know, it remains to be seen if if we have to go to litigation with Ackridge. But as I was saying earlier, that might not actually matter that much, as far as the the end goal. So, Jason, do you have anything? What what were your thoughts on Bowser through the process, and and were you surprised to see her essentially pull off her first major political gambit as mayor, even before she takes office?
2: I mean, I know the day that she announced that. The reef center, or the the plan to scrap the reef center portion of the deal, was announced. Uh, mm-hmm. I assumed that that was going to be the end of the deal. I thought I, I didn't think that there would be enough time to put together a new deal. Uh, because I mean, we we were this happened not long ago. Um, this this whole thing came apart and was put back together again in incredibly fast speed. And I know the day that they announced this, it wasn't just me. It was um more or less a uh, panic uh amongst the the entire fan base because uh it just it looked like a, a different way to may, maybe her intention wasn't to destroy the plan but uh that the actions were looking like they were going to just they were just going to be impossible to get done until sometime in the future um which when you're losing the rumor the rumor is 7 to 10 million a year uh, at RFK the clock is ticking pretty fast at that point um so, the fact that deal was put back together again- uh so quickly was definitely a surprise um and i you know i during the campaign, I thought you know that she was using the the stadium more as a a political thing rather than as a genuine concern um she was strongly against it in the primary and then during the general election kind of softened that stance a little bit um but you know ultimately. Obviously, she put some some effort behind it and uh, put her backing behind the, the the plan as is. And you know whether she changed the plan because it was the right thing or just to have her stamp more fully on it than Vince than Vince Gray's stamp. Um, that's that's for them. Uh, I don't really care who gets uh, the credit when when it comes to the city council side of things. Um, but uh, I have to say that the initial reaction the day that they were taking the plan out was. Very, very strong and very negative. And it turns out that maybe putting this plan together with the government uh, can be done a lot faster than with a, a business, which is what happened before with the the intricate deal with Acreage. This one, not not involving Acreage as much, uh, really came together as as fast as can reasonably expected for anything, much less a giant project like this.
0: Yeah, it was basically two years of intricate, as you said, negotiations between. Uh, Alan Liu, the the city administrator under Vince Gray and DC United and uh, the the heads of Ackridge and then essentially overnight that two years of work um, as far as Ackridge was concerned went out the window and they were receiving a cash offer based on the valuation of their land when they thought they were getting reeves and that's a much lower valuation than other landowners on Buzzard Point are, are taking um the other name I want to talk about uh, before we we move on to to the future is Kevin Payne, who was the first president he was i think employee number one for d c united He was the original president he was the CEO of the club he He basically ran things uh top to bottom he was uh, kind of an old-school sports executive involved in every single aspect. Basically, when even though Dave Casper was the general manager, Kevin Payne was the guy making the player personnel choices and the business choices and leading the stadium push. And he's, by, by all accounts, a guy with a very high bandwidth, and so he can take on all those things, or at least he can try to. Um, from some reports and some innuendo... There's there's reason to think that he didn't have a great relationship with the likes of Alan Liu and other city officials. There wasn't a a good level of trust and understanding and, and just the assumption that the other side was acting in good faith. And and Kevin Payne was the guy who said that Maryland was courting us, courting the team. Um and so Baltimore was always on the table. It wasn't until after Jason Levian and Eric Tohir came in and and gave Kevin Payne his walking papers along with lots of other members of the front office, but but more importantly for now Kevin Payne, that the this deal, anyway, started to get some momentum. And it was Jason Levian who came in, the new owner and and the guy running the day-to-day operations of the team, essentially acting as an owner slash club president. It wasn't until he took the reins that that the stadium deal started to actually get some traction. So Kevin Payne, obviously a huge important member of DC United's history, but Ben, if he was still around, do you think this stadium would be happening?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, like you said, Kevin Payne was great for DC United. He helped shepherd the team into the league. He helped. Uh, he was he was the architect, uh, along with Bruce Arena, of those uh, 1990s teams. He was the architect of the early efforts at a stadium, but by the time that 2010, 2011, 2012 came around, he had been at it for almost 10 years and hadn't gotten it done. So I think it was right to move him aside and let somebody else have a try at it. I think the, for better or for worse, the waters had been poisoned between him and... Uh, the elected officials around the area by that point. So it, DC United needed a new face and a new person to come in and try and get something done.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, Kevin Payne, I hope he's at the opening of the new stadium. I hope he's on the field. Um, at the groundbreaking? Yeah, if at the groundbreaking and, and at opening night in 2017, assuming we we get this on schedule. I hope he's there for the fireworks and and at midfield with a ceremonial game ball or whatever um, memento they're going to hand out to VIPs who get to be on the field for that.
1: Ceremonial raccoon.
0: You know, I would would love to see a ceremonial raccoon, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. And I, I think we all deserve ceremonial raccoons for our work supporting
2: the the stadium effort on the internet furious live animal. I <laughs> hand it to you <laughs> that you don't have any experience in handling.
1: Hey, at least goats have less chance of having rabies. I don't know if that's true. It's probably true. It's I very it's true. true. I take a goat. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's let's now talk about what we actually want in the new stadium, and I, I assume Guts. as much as we talk about livestock and wild animals... Gut pen. ...being in the stadium, we don't actually want them there. As, as great as RFK is as a wildlife sanctuary, I don't think that's necessarily a vibe we want in a brand-new state-of-the-art building.
2: I, I imagine that the... Um the folks that sit in the press box on a regular basis might not want the, uh, apparently this summer there were signs of a uh, wasp nest uh, mm-hmm. somewhere up there. So you probably don't want that uh, in the new stadium. Um, and uh, what, what was the, 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 quote from Olsen uh, on new year's day coming in and finding like the biggest roach he ever seen. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just a couple part of, years of ago. that's just part of being in a city though. I mean, you're just going to see roaches on, on the sidewalk and, RFK is not that different from a sidewalk, uh, as far as a roach is concerned, I imagine. So yeah, I mean, um, if
0: there's a roach with a party hat. I think you have to bring him over to the new stadium. Right, that's fair. Uh, you can acknowledge that guy.
2: Um, I mean, if after, nothing
0: else, as a post-game drinking buddy.
2: Right. Um. Because he he seems to know what he's doing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I imagine that there will be a slightly lower number of um strange creatures uh at the stadium, but but you never know. I mean uh. Maybe we'll get some buzzards. Maybe uh, Buzzard Point will actually live up to its name. There will be an inexplicable number of buzzards at the stadium. It's probably not a great thing. Uh, it's probably not what we want, but it, it, it could happen. You never know. I feel like if you have literal buzzards circling
0: your stadium, you need to have the gate needs to, especially for, I don't know, the the entrance to the visitor's locker room or, or the visiting supporter's entrance or something, there needs to be a sign over at Abandon All Hope be who enter here. I like it. Just if you have, if if the buzzers are there, you have to just turn into the slide and go all the way with the with the metaphor. Um, speaking of supporters, I know RFK is, is, is more than in at least as much as anywhere else. The supporters are what you think of when you think of the fan experience. Uh, even if you're not in the supporters groups, you know where they are. <laughs> you know how to find them, and you probably know most of their songs. Um, so RFK is unique in that they are the the large bulk of them are at midfield which is not the case at really any other stadium and there's actually some split among DC United supporters about where they want to be some want to be behind the goal because those seats are cheaper and that means they can sell more tickets and and get more numbers and create a better atmosphere some want to stay at midfield because that's a really good spot to be
2: yeah uh. And some of those groups also um, pointed out that they don't. If you're behind the goal and it's just your section all the way to the top, you don't have anyone you have to tell. You know, you know people that have never sat in the stadium before and they're like, "What's what's all this standing? I have to deal with." Uh, if if you're behind the goal, that's not going to. It's just going to be obvious that you shouldn't have bought tickets there. Um, right. The support. It'll be a supporter section, so they won't even be for sale. Like you'll have knowingly bought the ticket to be in that area, so you'll know what you're getting into. Hopefully.
0: Right. And hopefully they wherever they end up, be it midfield or behind the goal, that's that'll be the case. I know it the the latest renderings, the ones from, from last February, uh the the most recent renderings of the stadium, it looked like where the stadium where, where the, the supporters could be, they could be at midfield and still be actually have a segregated stand from the rest of the 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 seating sections on that side of the field, which was intriguing to me, and I think a really interesting design solution to keep supporters located at midfield, but create a separation from between them and the rest of the 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 fans at the stadium, so that it was clear if you were in that section you were in the supporters section and also to lift the rest of the fans up so that they can see over flags that would be waving <laughs> and not be directly behind them um, that's one thing that, that I know the new stadium will have will be steeper sight lines or steeper, uh, steeper grade to the stands so that it's less of a gradual bowl and more of a proper stadium with a wall of support on either side which I think is something we all want to see uh, there's, there's been a petition going around. I don't think anybody would oppose this petition in the supporters' sections to name whatever stand the supporters are on, be it behind the goal or at midfield, for Chico Solaris, uh, one of the very early members of La Barra Brava and well-loved among all the supporters who passed away a couple years ago. Suddenly and tragically, and to this day, the District Ultras carry a TIFO of Chico everywhere they go um i don't know how much discussion there is to have on that other than to say it's a very it's a self-evidently good idea <laughs> and the supporters have started an online petition so go sign it if you're interested um it's all over facebook all over the supporters uh facebook pages so go check that out ben i've been rambling on for too long and it's getting very boring tell us something you want to see in the new stadium
1: this is i, I think this might be a little underrated because but since I'm not always able to come to the stadium. One thing I would like to see is them to somehow either align the stadium or build shielding in the stadium so that we don't get awful shadows and light spots during the games that make TV viewing awful. I think there must be, somebody must be able to build a stadium where you're not going to have dark shadows on one-third of the the field and bright lights on the other side of the field where the TV cameras just freak out and can't balance the light properly. There must be some way to do this. Even if it requires the lights, the artificial lights, to be beaming into the stadium even during an afternoon game, I think that's fine. But just having awful shadows in a stadium, like BBVA... BBQ, LOL, WTF Stadium has this fairly badly, and I think there must be some way we can improve upon that.
0: Honestly, other than build better video cameras, I'm not sure that there is because
1: I think there is. I think you, you have
0: can... a totally enclosed stadium, there will be some point at which the sun goes from directly overhead to behind something.
1: Right, but I think if if the people who built Stonehenge could align it so that the the winter solstice aligned aligned directly in there, I think the builders of this stadium could block sunlight at certain points during the day.
0: So what you're saying is you want this to work really well for one specific time on one specific day.
1: I mean, it just has to work well for like a 4-hour window each day. Otherwise it's either going to be dark or completely light. So yeah. I think there should be a way. We have the, we have the technology, I hope.
0: So Ben I I, is a
2: sun worshipper. He's a pig. Yeah, I think yes. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think I know so how to solve this problem. Destroy we the just, sun? No, not destroy the sun, but uh, accomplish some sort of mastery over the sun, so that we we may control it and have it operate on our whims rather than on its own whims. Okay, that's fine too. Or like a Mr. Burns style um, sun blocking of yes, the shade. Yes. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, ob- obviously we could uh, take control of the city's power and and from there uh, accumulate a lot of wealth. Um, until it all goes wrong, when a baby kills you,
1: or tries so to Masons. kill you anyway. So were the Masons? No, we're Mr. Burns. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, Maggie Simpson did it. We yes. all remember this. Well, yes. Even though, uh, as they say many times, it probably would have made more sense if it had been Waylon Smithers. When has the Simpsons ever tried
0: to make sense? Let's be
2: honest. No, but I mean, they they themselves have had at least four or five different references to... It would have made more sense if it was Smithers, okay.
0: <laughs> it's been a long time since I actually watched The Simpsons. I'm not gonna lie. did you not watch the
2: uh the whole marathon they did on f x uh where they showed every episode On f of- x x yeah, that's the one Whatever. no i
0: watched i mean i was I was traveling actually during it wow. um and so I watched two hours of the marathon. Okay. And my parents, who never, ever watched The Simpsons, like, I could get them when I was a kid, I could get them to watch an episode maybe every couple of months on a Sunday night. I could get them to watch half of an episode, and then I'd have to leave the room, go to another TV, and turn it on there. They actually turned it on (laughs) and watched it for for a couple hours. They're like, hey, this is a thing that's happening. We should should join in the cultural event.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I... If anyone was following, I'm sure some of our listeners tolerate my uh, my Twitter presence. Uh, during this, you may have noticed just random uh, lines enthusiastically shouted into the ether um, to alert people that a given episode was on. <laughs> uh, and, and every single time, because it's soccer Twitter and uh, Simpsons nerds are a big overlap, there would be multiple positive and like immediate responses, even if it was at like, two in the morning on a Saturday. Someone would be like, oh, no, I remember that one. i got to watch it.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Jason, you're mm-hmm. talking. Let's get back okay. on topic. Okay. What do you want to see in the new stadium?
2: Uh, I think I want a lot less than a lot of other people. Um, I want the stadium to be devoid of any non-watching soccer distractions. Um, so what I want when you come in is, Maybe I, I guess there should be some some monitors uh, for people that have to go to the bathroom. Uh, I assume there are people that can't wait forty five minutes to go to the bathroom. Um, that don't have a medical problem. It's just that they're uh, weak uh, in in the mind and in the soul. They can't just wait till halftime. Um, Mostly so in I, the bladder. Right. Well, those people, I guess, can watch the game on a monitor. Um, I I suppose there should be. Um, some high-quality beer, it would be nice if it was a, a lot of local beer. Um, that's kind of the way stadiums are going anyway, um, not just around here but across the country. Yeah, And that will um, be the case
0: even with this Heineken deal. Heineken is now the yeah. official beer of MLS and, and the official beer partner of DC United. But I would be completely shocked. I would be beyond shocked if there was any kind of exclusivity there, it won't be exclusive uh, no, that would be partly because that would break federal laws. Uh, <laughs> the, the, but,
2: but also the, for uh, even without those laws, there would be other things stopping that.
0: Yes, so um, I, I imagine DC Brow will still be available, um, right? Along with hopefully a lot more local brews, like you right. said.
2: Right. You know, it would be nice um, if uh, there was a collection of Maryland, Virginia, and DC beers. It's not like there's a shortage of possibilities there. Um, these these uh these areas produce a lot of beer, so um, hopefully that's that's on the docket. Um, as far as everything else, I mean, the only reason you go to a stadium is to watch the game and and to be a part of the game. So, um, a lot of the modern amenities, like Sporting Kansas City Stadium, has some sort oh, of mound. Oh, nice, Jason. And uh, no, I I'm I. We're asking Adam asked me what I wanted, not what I expected. <laughs> um <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff in there that just it's just not for going like you could go to a lounge and watch the game on T V. There's no point in going to the stadium at that point. Um
1: But then DC United is not making that cold hard cash.
2: No, I know. and, and some jerk has to pay money, uh, so that we can sign better players and, and keep the lights on. But uh for the for the regular some fans, jerk. Right. Um yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this and you are on the fence, don't let me dissuade you because, tr- trust me, when the team comes around looking for an audience, they're not going to worry about whether I'm going to be there based on uh, the lounges. They're going to be worried more about you um, <laughs> because you're going to pay for that lounge whereas I'm going to buy a, a regular ticket. So, And also, I'll show up no matter what it is. If the place uh, is some sort of uh, gaudy... Liberace style monstrosity. I'll still show up and be like, "What? What on earth has happened It It doesn't matter. I'm watching the game. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, but the, the, I mean, the thing is, I, I'm perfectly happy to continue at at like if if the the club's future and finances weren't at at stake playing at RFK, um, I would be perfectly happy to live in a world where RFK just had some extra stands installed to get it closer to the field. Um, but obviously, um, you know. RFK is falling apart and a newer stadium is not going to have those that sort of issue at hand so um, there's going to be a lot of stuff there that's that's of no use to me uh, whatsoever um I hope the field is a uh, high quality grass um maybe uh, as I said when when this was coming out um and we were talking at you know, people online were talking about various things they might want um I think that the team should be in touch with the same people the same grounds crew that's behind the field at the Soccerplex which is notoriously as good a soccer field as you can find in this country. Um, they're they're right up the road. We might as well talk to them because if they can and get or it done, steal them. right, because if they can if they can get it done up there on the soccer plex, surely they can also get it done in slightly different conditions. Um, because that I don't know if a,
0: Ben gets his way and the sun is blocked, they might not oh, be
2: able to grow the grass very well. I mean, we can we can allow the sun through on certain <laughs> days, um, and maybe they'll have to come onto the. Um, whatever shadowy council uh, is involved in the control of the sun, maybe there there'll be, uh, they'll be... Those guys will have a seat on that board or whatever it becomes called.
1: I mean, when the stonecutters control the sun in DC, they'll allow the, the sun to shine on non-DC United playing days. So it'll be fine. Don't worry about it.
2: I, I'm trying to think of, of whatever else would be good. Um, well, I will say, even though... Whatever you think of
0: creature comforts when it comes to fans and, and fancy lounges with, with all that, those are good on non-game days. When there's a team event, going to a nice lounge is That's very true. nice. Um, More importantly, creature comforts for the players, which is what yeah. I think of when I think of Sporting Park and KC, Aurelian Collin, who's now a former Spork player, right. had he said that the their amenities, their their training equipment, their locker room, their... Basically, all the, the stuff for the players the, in the stadium the was so bar,
2: good. Yeah, they had some sort of like super fancy juice bar um, yeah. and state of the art whirlpools. I who knew right. that whirlpools
0: had been improved upon. Right, the uh, years, and, and the lockers.
2: The lockers were made of some sort of elegant, high quality wood rather than just whatever uh, you go buy from the hardware store.
0: Well, Colin is a French guy with a fashion line, so that yes. matters to him.
2: Yes, uh, and and if you look at the pictures of their locker room, it's like well, this. This looks like pretty much the best place in the world to prepare for a soccer game. Yeah. Um, and if so you've that ever that been in the locker course.
0: rooms at RFK, you do not get that impression.
2: Uh, I, I would say it's a it's a good motivator to get on the field quickly. Yeah. Um, which has a, is a way of motivating people and getting them to perform well.
0: Well, motivating them to move quickly out of the locker room, if nothing right. else.
2: <laughs> hey. You get charged up. You're excited, uh, for whatever reason.
0: But yeah, I would like to see state of the art, you know, regen equipment and training equipment and weight room equipment, uh, and and all of the, the good player stuff, player focused stuff. That's where I want to see the money spent uh at at the new stadium and and then if there's Wi Fi in the stadium for everyone, if you can order drinks at your seat, I can I, I don't worry about all that. Um my my daughter, you know, the monitors are great for me when my daughter is getting fussy and I need to carry her around to calm her down, and I can still be able to see the game. Uh, that's Your daughter nice.
1: wants to order drinks at her seat?
0: No, but monitors in the, the concourse. Not yet. Yeah, G- give it time, Ben. <laughs> okay. She will She will demand hot dogs and tater tots at her seat, I guarantee it. <laughs> Uh, but the, the other thing is a, a design like it at Nats Park where if you walk around the concourse at Nats Park, except for when you go behind the President's Club, behind home plate, you can always see the field. There's never a wall blocking right. your, your view on any level of the field. They're, they're all designed so that when you're in the concourse, you can look in on the game wherever you are. I want to see that in the new stadium. You know, if you're behind the suites, obviously, that's not going to work because there are going to be lots of suites on one side of the field. But if you're walking behind the goals or on the on the other side, what I presume will be the loud side of the field if the players are at midfield, you should be able to see into the field because that's where, like you said, that's where our, our attention should be as often as humanly possible when we're inside the stadium.
2: Yeah, and and the, I guess the other thing that I'm now thinking of is... um. Uh, On a similar, or kind of similar note, Um, I don't like the open design that a lot of stadiums have where you can see out into the world. Um, I think that's one of RFK's strengths is that when you're in the stadium, the only thing you can see out is if you look straight up into the sky, that's it. Um, You can't look, when you're inside uh, the bowl at RFK, you can't look out and see the Capitol or whatever. Um, And a lot of stadiums are built on, oh, you know, look at the, the sight line, you can see this building and that building. Uh, that's for baseball where you've got spare time to look around because you know the pitcher has decided to wait twenty seconds to do anything. Um soccer doesn't have the long breaks of baseball. It it it's not happening. So you shouldn't be concerned with looking out on this building or that building. When you look at when you walk into the stadium, you should be able to see the soccer and that's it. If you're in the stands and you look up, you should see the sky and and that's it. Um so, so for me it's a very much about um a, a building that's about focus. Uh, I, I think that's the best way I can put it. Um, you should be focused on the one thing and not all the other stuff. You
0: know who who's taken that design cue to heart? Who? Las Las Vegas casinos. They're all yeah. about getting you inside, and once you're inside, the outside world disappears. And you should never leave.
1: That's that's probably what the Las Vegas MLS team did for their stadium
0: they 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 put a bunch of they put Don Garber in a casino and they put the city council in a casino, and they said, "We will not turn on the exit signs until you give us a stadium and a
2: team. Speaking Basically. of an organization that needs to take control of the sun uh, for, for yes. various reasons, <laughs> uh, a Las Vegas MLs bid uh, during in a league that by necessity has to run during the summer, uh, maybe they'll start scheduling games for like two in the
1: morning. It would be good preparation for the uh, Qatar World Cup. Yeah, I
0: yep. was going to say, maybe they can either take engineers or loan engineers to Cutter to figure out the whole stadium right. air conditioning thing. Hopefully, you know, there would be fewer human rights abuses in Las Vegas than you in Qatar. Um, you would hope that there would be fewer in, in Qatar as well, yeah. but that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, hopefully, Vegas doesn't bribe their way into MLS. Um, and then Michael, Michael
1: Corleone them. disagrees with that statement. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he does. But then they'll, you know, if they do, the MLS can always fire the ethics investigator and put him up on ethics charges of his own right. because FIFA is nothing if not a bad George R.R. Martin knockoff.
2: You, you really want to make it clear to everyone exactly what you're doing in these things. In, yeah. the, in their own way, they're being very open with us by saying, <laughs> this is what happens if someone investigates. We will put them up on ethics charges when they themselves are the ethics investigator.
0: Well, no, it's not that they have an issue with him investigating. They have an issue with him announcing that he found something wrong.
1: Right. So uh, you can Investigate
0: so, all you want. You just can't tell anybody.
1: So very literally. What happens
0: in FIFA ha- stays in FIFA. There, full circle. So is.
1: very literally, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps.
0: Yeah, do you see what happens, Larry? Yes. If only the ethics investigator had been named Lawrence. <laughs> right. Do you see at what least,
2: happens, Larry? At least they got burgers at the end of that ordeal. I, I don't think anyone uh, attached to the, the 2018 World Cup is going to get the burger that they wanted at the end. I really want
0: someone to take get a copy of the FIFA ethics report and find Sep Blatter and say, Is this your homework, Sep?" Is this your homework, sep? You're killing your father, Sep. You're killing your father, Sep <laughs> Fine. Do you see what happens, Sep? I mean Sep very well could be the stranger in the Alps. He's Swiss. Yeah, I don't know him. <laughs> Anyone who happens to be on a ski trip to the Alps, if you find a stranger named Sep, just find out what his name is and find out tell us what happens when you find a stranger yes. in the Alps. You found him, now you have to report back. If your if it's your Corvette gets destroyed by
2: right.
0: by John Goodman, then yes, then please, especially then, tell us. Yes, yes, yeah, we will we will completely than, freak
2: out. More than most other situations, you should email us at that point. <laughs> yeah, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com
0: is there. One last thing to talk about tonight before before we we turn in. Um, Probably for the year. I think this is probably the last show for the year. I'm, I'm all for taking next week off. We'll see if that happens. Or if something happens in the world of soccer that forces us to sit down and record again next Monday. Brian Strauss of Sports Illustrated wrote a really good feature on the history of DC United Stadium Search. And if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably read it at least a couple times, if not four or five. Um, he also posted some of the outtakes from from that from the information gathering he did for that article. And and some of those were talking his his interview basically with Jason Levian. And Levian talked about or Strauss just kind of out of the blue asked if there would be some kind of brand update going into the new stadium. And Jason Levian said, listen, this is a club that's all about tradition and that has been kind of the core of the brand, and that's going to remain the core of the brand going forward because our traditions, our supporters, our history is a differentiator in American soccer, and and that's something we want to keep. And that all is makes absolutely perfect sense, and it makes us happy as fans because that's one of the things we love. But he he did allow that there could be some... Tweaks at least around the margins, especially with the visual identity. Now, I don't think I—I I think it would be crazy to think that this means Inter United. He—he he mentioned that there could be some something to do with with our sister club. Eric Towhey also, of course, owns Inter Milan. I think the idea of of DC Inter or something like that is completely out of the question. DC United is the name and will remain the name. The colors will remain black and red. Uh, there will be an all black home kit the eagle will still be there in some form or another beyond that I think there are some there is room for tweaks and and Brian Strauss on Twitter uh, in response to some some comments and questions about this made sure to point out listen if you are a hardcore fan if you are someone who is at RFK all the time now and you really care about the badge then branding isn't You're not the one that people have in mind when they're talking about branding. Branding is about getting new people to the stadium without alienating the old. So I think anything short of renaming and changing the colors, anything short of that is not going to alienate so many people that it's not going to be worth at least considering for the club. Ben, what do you think? Is that out of line? Is is anything more than changing the font or removing the soccer ball going to be verboten, or or is this something that the team really should consider? Uh, Especially going into a new stadium where we've seen teams like Sporting Kansas City update their brand. Obviously, I don't want anything near the degree that they went to. No, no, but no. but you can have that. It it is a special moment when you open a new a new building, and you can take advantage of that. But with an update that. That has some some force behind it.
1: I mean, I will say that I did really enjoy the uh, DC Brow uh, logo beer can things that mm-hmm. just had like the simple silhouette of the eagle uh, without anything else. And um, and that's I'd, become the secondary mark now. That is exactly the official exactly.
0: secondary mark for the team.
1: I also am. Just like I am against uh, English branding in American soccer, such as center halves do not exist in, especially American soccer, but unless you're playing a 2-3-5, they do not exist in (laughs) soccer anywhere anymore. But I'm also against soccer balls in soccer logos. I mean, we know that the sport is soccer. We know they play with a ball. You don't need to have the ball in the logo. This is the why old, you are 100 uh,
0: percent behind the new MLS badge.
1: I think it's. Uh, I think the new MLS badge is fine. I don't mind it.
2: Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I just had to. The letters MLS symbolize Major League Soccer. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: there remember the white space
2: to
0: bring you doing. into and take you out of the world. That yeah. That that and, was And, and the slash.
1: The slash is uh, MLS going forward and upwards. Yes, their explanations were silly, but yes. I don't mind the new brand. And All also, right. I mean, we don't need a Telstar to show us that it is soccer. We know that it is soccer. and No one plays with a Telstar anymore. And MLS so, only
0: used a Telstar-inspired design uh, for a couple years. They're, they're, they started off with a miter ball that that looked yes. nothing like a Telstar. There it looked an more an like the old Barcelona. Panel. It was the, an, the an ball now. Yeah, it looked like um, a volleyball or a ball in the the, the player, Barcelona crest.
2: Kids that were playing at that time that did not or that had skepticism toward the eighteen panel ball routinely, and this happened in games because my team, our game ball was an eighteen panel ball. Um, it was a nice ball, but other teams would assume that we had brought a volleyball to play soccer with. Yeah, and make fun of our volleyball, even though like the we'd go to their field and their game ball would just be a standard practice ball. It wasn't even a good ball. They would still insist that their their scratched up ball is better than our volleyball, and it's hard to argue at that point because you're like, well, it's not really a volleyball, but uh. yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the Telstar type design—you can't. I mean, Telstar is an Adidas trademark, right? And, and yes,
1: the the font also needs upgrading.
0: Yeah, the works. font the font is pretty bad. I. I I, I had exactly the same thought you did, though. As far as the secondary mark, you see what Liverpool has done, where they they dropped the the shield and the gate and everything that was behind their their liverbird uh, crest, and now it's just just like it was before um, they they redesigned it. It's just the liverbird and the letters LFC on on their shirt, and it looks really sharp. And I think just the eagle silhouette with four stars over it whether you put DCU or DC United somewhere on there I think it's it's really sharp and it it would it would be an arresting look potentially and and it would be something I would be really fine with on the jerseys but I don't think that's necessarily what Levian is talking about
2: yeah and and I I guess going back to one of the points you made about going into a new stadium those other teams that rebranded severely they they needed it um mm-hmm. the stadium or no. Um the Kansas City Wizards were not a a name that people in that area cared about. Um D C United doesn't have that problem. Uh and, and that's actually one of the other reasons why the stadium is going to be nice is that those the you know, people talk about the atmosphere at sporting Kansas City games and that was a place that had no soccer culture whatsoever in place. Um like a couple years ago, it wasn't even that long ago. Um they would get 5,000 people out to a game and, and call it seven and, and it would sort of Chivas USA their, their, uh, attendance claims. Um, and it would be deadly silent that, that even when, even when RFK was low on fans, it was still allowed 11,000 people at RFK. And so if you put that sort of atmosphere in a stadium, it's going to kind of, it kind of sells itself. You don't have to worry about bringing new people in, um, you can find enough fans to fill that stadium up week in and week out without changing much of anything. Um so I, I think making a making branding moves based on trying to attract new uh fans isn't going to do very much as compared to just regularly being successful because in this in this region especially, if you're not regularly successful, people will stop coming to your games. Mm-hmm. Um, the Capitals, the Wizards Uh, The local football concern, they have all shown this. The Nationals uh, used to be very easy to get a Nationals ticket uh, anywhere you wanted. Um, When these teams started winning games, now the Wizards are winning, and all of a sudden people actually show up at their games and are intrigued. They're not just cheering for free chicken in the fourth quarter now. Um, There was actually a piece, I think, was it last week in the post uh, that Dan Steinberg had written about that topic that it used to be that fans would cheer in the fourth quarter if someone missed two free throws, there was free Chick-fil-A sandwiches for everyone that was at the game. And that would be the only time that the Wizards fans would get loud. Um that's not good. That's a that's a terrible sign for your team. Yes. That the only time people are cheering uh with any intensity is when they're gonna get a free tangible object. They should be cheering for things that are intangible, uh like goals and points and such. <laughs> um so so I I feel like just the building itself, um as long as the team is is even just okay, you're going to get near capacity or capacity crowds every week, and it's going to be extremely loud. And for people that are inclined to go to a soccer game in in general, that are up, that are up for the songs being sung in the stands, that people are going to be standing up and all that, I think those people are already here. You don't you don't really. Have, I mean, it's obviously you always want to add more fans for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. um but i don't think this isn't like Kansas City where you need to almost sell people that you've started a new team altogether it's like we don't even know what that other thing is um this is the team that's here now don't worry about the wizards that you remember from the 90s they're not even in place anymore um you don't need to do that here um so so i would be fairly apprehensive about every anything that isn't very very marginal um and actually at the at the post um the celebration of the stadium passing Uh, me standing there in my Jersey was used by Brian Strauss to illustrate the things that he would change were he in charge, uh, which was a strange moment for me. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah. And in the, in the end, everyone that was at that was of the same opinion that there are little tweaks, that it's not a big deal, um, Mm -hmm. but you don't really want to make any major moves. And and certainly we shouldn't be talking about anything like changing the clock, the colors or, Um, turning it into some sort of inter-affiliate. We've seen what happens when you affiliate an MLS. Chivas USA is no longer with us. NYCFC now has their star signing probably not showing up uh, for preseason or for the opening of the season. Um, That's not good. That's not how things are supposed to work. Um, And so it's nice that um, we shouldn't even be called like sister clubs with inter. It's more like... um, uh, what's a good word like? Cousins, society? like associates, um, hmm. uh, colleagues. Uh, what, what's uh? I'm thinking of another Simpsons uh, reference where Homer asks who's who, what people at the bar are his friend, and no one actually wants to say friend. They all say things like well-wisher, and um, Mo, <laughs> Mo, Mo says he's a well-wisher in that he doesn't wish Homer specific harm. And I feel like that's how our relationship with Inter is: is that I don't have a problem with Inter as long as they aren't tinkering with anything having to do with us. Um, even the Sunderland affiliation is is kind of uh, basically just consists of the occasional article that Sunderland puts up and says, "Hey, DC United won a game this weekend. Check it out." Yeah, um,
0: they they know how to do that that it top top. over there in the states.
2: Which, which that affiliation is in and of itself MLS's second most uh, fruitful affiliation in league history, behind LA getting Juninho from Sao Paulo during a and affiliation. That was the only one that actually really mattered. Um, the well, Galaxy figured that out.
0: San Jose, didn't they have a thing with Tottenham Hotspur, and that got was, them a player on loan? Was an,
2: that was an informal thing, though. Okay. Um, because that, that was just Frankie Allop knew someone from his playing days that was now in their setup, um, if I'm not mistaken. So right. that, that that was just an informal personal connection rather than the club saying, we're going to be friends now. And by that we mean... <laughs> we're going to send out the occasional tweet wishing somebody well. Right, I will
0: say one more thing that I want in the new stadium is room to expand. I don't yes. you, you see lots of comments from people saying soccer is going to be even bigger in 5 or 10 years, you should be building for then and make a 30 35 40,000 seat stadium, not 20 or 25,000. And I completely disagree. I would be fine with something even in the 19,000 range as long as it was easy Right. to quickly expand in an off-season and add a few thousand seats in an off-season and a few thousand seats the year after that right. and create a bigger stadium that way uh, by adding a deck here, filling in a corner there. Um, maybe eventually you pop the roof off uh, and and put a new section on there and rebuild the roof. But being able to expand the capacity over the life of the stadium, I think is is hugely important for... A league in the place where MLS is right now.
1: Right. Oh. And I think Jason Levian has also stated that. Yeah. They want to be able to expand that stadium like five years down the road after it's constructed. Right.
0: Yeah, and and I'm happy to see that. And in Jason Levian's saying a lot of things that I I find to be correct <laughs> right now. So hopefully that trend continues. Yeah.
2: I, I would also add, before we're done, uh, going back to the jerseys, um, one thing I don't want to see is, uh, and so Adidas has been very guilty of this, in MLS specifically, is uh, jerseys where the badge is just a color outlined on the shirt, and it's not the club colors. So um, Colorado's um, blue jerseys, for example, don't have a Colorado Rapids badge. They have uh, an outline of what, the pattern on the badge in different colors. It's it's red same with the um,
0: Sounders third jersey, right?
2: Seattle, Portland has it as well. I I can't stand that because your club colors mean something, um, or else you might as well just wear different colors every year or whatever you felt like wearing. Um, and so if your if your badge looks a certain way and is certain colors, it should be on regardless of what color you're wearing. Your jersey is the badge should stay the colors that it always is. Um, so if you're a Seattle and you've got your uh green with blue badge, and then you wear uh, some bizarro color for your third jersey like they always do, their badge should still be the same one that would be on their normal jersey. It shouldn't be changed at all. It should just be the exact same thing, regardless of the fact that the color shirt is uh, neon blue or uh, whatever silly name they're going to think of next and then insist is a real color instead of just a Adidas corporate um, trademarked color shade that
0: they've come up with. Um, well, I mean, in the Sounders' defense... All of their colors are some random trademark color that Adidas came up with right um so they don't have a natural color in their entire uh, color library
2: right but but i I'm more making fun of the the naming of the color because yes. they then sounders fans then carry that name as if it's a real name and it's not uh Ray, Ray <laughs> green is an adidas trademark um I, I guess I'm kind of showing some uh anti corporate roots there um and calling calling all those fans sellouts um. Or, or Shills, but, uh, I don't think we get too many Sounders fans listening, so I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna let it go. I'll probably not get any complaints.
0: We'll see. If you do have a complaint, director, be sure to, to send your hate mail to filibusterpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Ben, any other thoughts before we sign off for tonight?
1: Nope.
0: Okay, then. Thank you guys all for listening, uh, not just tonight, but all year uh it's been a really fun season to cover uh both in writing and on the podcast uh find us at blackandredunited.com we're on twitter at filibuster at black and Red like i said before send your hate mail to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com find us on itunes uh subscribe to our show on on stitcher we're also on soundcloud so you can listen and and share things there um Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. That's really how people find out about us. We are almost certainly done for 2014, so thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next year for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason.
2: Goodbye, Jason.